today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. The good news in Ephesians 1 is that our hope is fundamentally different than the world's hope. So notice that. Paul does not tell them to hope in hope or just believe things are going to get better or or he doesn't pray for them that they'll have a positive outlook on life. He tells them that their hope is rooted and grounded and real in something. It's rooted and grounded in someone. Our hope as Christians is in Christ. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Everyone places their hope in something or someone. If your hope is not in Jesus Christ, then your hope could be in another person, wealth, career, or materialism. Hope is only as powerful as the object you're placing your hope in. Many people hope in other people and things, but those people and things did not rise from the dead. Those who have this hope in Christ keep themselves pure just as He is pure. Your life and actions should prove if you genuinely have hope in Christ. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 for part one of our message entitled, I am hopeful. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Well, I've got two very simple points today about hope, and they are the following. First, your hope is secure. Your hope, if you are in Christ, is secure. That's the first point. The second point is this. Get secure in your hope. First point, your hope is secure. Second point, get secure in your hope. First, let's look at how our hope is secure. Your hope, Christian, is secure. But your hope is secure. I want to make a qualification right off the bat here. Your hope is secure because your hope is not the world's hope. See, when it comes to hope and our identity, oftentimes whether we're hopeful people or not defines the kind of person you are. Right? Maybe you're an optimist. You're just sort of known that way among your friends. Things are going to get better. Somebody's going through a hard time. You're the guy that says, hang in there. It'll get better. Or maybe you're a positive person. You, you, you're just upbeat. You're, you're, you just roll with the punches. You're that kind of person. 
Or maybe you're a realist. It's kind of the way I describe myself sometimes. You're not cynical. You're, you're just a realist. You ever had that conversation with a friend? I'm not cynical. I'm not bitter. I'm just, just a realist here, okay? You see the harsh reality of the world around you. Or maybe you're sort of a fooled me twice kind of person who now, after being kind of taken advantage of, doesn't let their guard down easily. And you kind of put up walls to the people around you and you really don't even allow yourself to hope in things. Or maybe you're, you're sarcastic. Maybe you love sarcasm partially because it guards you from the world around you. It helps you, allows you to embrace being cynical so you're not hurt by things. Surprisingly, you, you may think, well, I, I'm gonna tell you Look, just, just don't be like that. Don't be hopeless. Well, unfortunately, in Ephesians 2.12, as we're going to see in a couple weeks, Paul will remind the church that apart from Christ, you were people or we are people having no hope and without God in the world. That apart from Jesus, this is what God says about us, that we actually have no hope and are without God in the world. If we are not in Christ, the Bible says, we are hopeless. The book of Ecclesiastes opens like this. This is in the Bible. I would love to do a series on Ecclesiastes someday. This is in the Bible. This is the beginning of the book. Here's how it starts. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? That's the beginning of the book. That's where we start a book of the Bible. Because here's the hard truth in Scripture. Every hope can fail. Every hope under the sun in this world can fail. And, and most will fail. Not all, but most will fail. The cynics are often right. The pessimists are often accurate. Every year, uh, around Christmas time especially, you start seeing billboards and holiday magic stuff and there's like peace and love and one of them is always hope, right? Always hope. And there's always a heartwarming, uh, partially computer animated film every Christmas about hope. And, and the climax of the film is inevitably some character believing or I'm just going to believe, I'm just going to have hope. But here's and, and you feel wonderful because you've just, you're, you're, you're hopped up on, you know, Christmas lattes and, and gingerbread. And so you, they put you in this theater and play loud, inspirational music. And, and at the moment, the kid's like, I believe, I have hope. And you're like, yeah. And everyone's clapping and crying. And then you go and you look at Christmas lights and it's wonderful. Except here's the problem. In so many of these films and, and pop culture sort of versions of hope, hope is not in anything. It's just the thing, okay? It's not like I have hope that this, I, that, that there's no object of confidence that this is actually going to get better. The message of most of the films or inspirational stuff is just believe that it will get better, okay? Now, I, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but that's sort of crazy, right? Because just believing in general that things are going to get better isn't rooted in anything, is it? It's actually kind of silly. Now, I don't mean to demean your favorite holiday movie, but I'm just trying to bring a biblical perspective about hope that apart from God, really having hope in hope is no hope at all. 
Maybe you've put your hope in something or someone in your life that has disappointed you. Maybe that's shaped you as a person. Maybe you're defined by you hoping in this person, this spouse, this boyfriend, this, this parent, and they fail you, and that's defined you for the rest of your life. You, you, you're, you're a different person, a cynical person, a hard person because of that. Maybe you know this all too well. Maybe you laugh and chuckle at the holiday films, and yet you know that there's really, there's really no guarantee, is there, that it's going to get better. But the good news, the good news in Ephesians 1 is that our hope is fundamentally different than the world's hope. So notice that. Paul does not tell them to hope in hope or just believe things are going to get better or, or he doesn't pray for them that they'll have a positive outlook on life. He tells them that their hope is rooted and grounded and real in something. It's rooted and grounded in someone our hope as Christians is in Christ. See, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the, the writer keeps using this phrase, there's, there's nothing to be gained by toiling under the sun. There's nothing under the sun. It's vain under the sun. But that phrase, under the sun, means everything apart from God. It, it means apart from God, all of this stuff is vain. Apart from God, all of this stuff has no hope. But... In Ecclesiastes, the surprising thing is that the, the author points to something above the sun, that there is hope above the sun. And that's where we're going to look and find our hope. Paul begins his prayer by saying this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. He starts there. He, he writes what he does about hope because he knows that the people he's writing to aren't just random people. They are people who have believed in Jesus. And because they've believed in Jesus, their identity has fundamentally changed. Whether we are a hopeful people or not has fundamentally changed because we are now in Christ. The crucial thing about hope is, is this— who or what you hope in makes all the difference, doesn't it? Maybe you, you, you in, people, in people you've known in your life, you've known the, the unreliable friend that says, hey, man, I'm going to be by later to pick up that stuff. And you know when he says that, is he going to be by to pick up the stuff? No, he's never coming by to pick up that stuff, right? Or, or uh, maybe a coworker that says, man, I'm, I'm totally going to have that report for you like next, like, like in an hour, and you're like, okay, man, <laughs> thank you, not coming in an hour. So you make plans to get it from someplace else, right? But you've also known people in your life that, that if they say that report is going to be on your desk by 10, man, if they have to be crawling from the street out of a car accident to deliver that report to you, they're going to do it. That's just the kind of people they are. See, and, and where you put your hope in, even among people that you know, changes whether you have real hope or not. Who you hope in makes all the difference. And, and what we've already learned about Jesus, the person that we have our hope in, makes all the difference for us. We are now, as Ephesians has told us again and again and again, we are now in Christ, meaning that our faith, our hope is in him. And that changes everything. Where we once had no hope, now we have hope. Just remember, I want you to just remember what Scripture says has happened to those of us who are in Christ from that passage last week. 
It tells us that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, that we've been chosen and predestined in love, that we've been adopted, that we've been redeemed, that we've had our sins forgiven, that we've been lavished with grace, that we've obtained an inheritance, that we've received the Spirit, and all this because we are in Christ. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so, so Paul prays for this church in a particular way. Not that they would have hope, but that they would know the hope that they have in Christ. He, he's saying, look, church, I, you know what my prayer is for you? This whole thing is, is one long prayer for this church. And his prayer centers on this phrase, I pray that, you may, that they may know what is the hope to which he has called you. He, he's saying, church, I, I'm praying that you get this, that this is real for you, that this comes alive for you. We as Christians are in our, in our identity to be defined by our hope. It's supposed to be part of who we are now as Christians. Because our identity has changed and we're now in Christ, that identity shift has brought us into being perpetually a people of hope. So here, here's what I want you to consider. As a Christian, your level of hope and the certainty of hope reveals where your hope actually lies. I'll say that again. As a Christian, how hopeful you are and how certain you are of that hope often reveals where your trust and hope actually is. If it's, if it's flimsy, if it's shaky, if you find yourself often cynical, often pessimistic, often uh, assuming nothing is going to change or there is no hope in the world, or maybe your hope is is strong at times but flimsy at other times, perhaps it reveals that your hope is somewhere other than in Christ. Because in Christ, we are a people of hope. Now here's, here's the wrestle, here's the problem. Our circumstances don't always line up with our hope, do they? We have this hope in Jesus, and then we have these circumstances, and so we're like, okay, I'm in Christ, I know I have a future, I have a hope, and yet this is happening to me, and yet I've lost my job, and yet I'm struggling with illness, and yet things are hard relationally, and yet I, I don't know how to get out of this financial hole. So we have our hope in Christ, and then we have our circumstances, and they seem to clash. Well, one, I, I wish I could spend the whole message here, but I just want to briefly give you some ideas of how being in Christ provides hope for every situation in your life. And it does it in two ways. Being in Christ means you, have, you always have hope in this life, and it means you always have hope in the life to come. So think about this. Maybe you've been laid off or maybe you will be laid off. I know suddenly a number of, of people that I know were put in a very difficult situation this last week or so by the government shutdown, not knowing when their paychecks would arrive or if they would ever arrive. Now, apart from Christ, what guarantees do we have? Apart from Christ, our, our hope is the federal government. The, 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 apart from Christ, our hope is our c congressmen which many times they can do good things, but many times they fail or are unable or maybe don't come through for us. Or maybe your hope 
hope could be in your resume or your hope could be in your savings account. And yet all of these things can be shaken, can't they? But think about then how your hope would change by remembering that you are in Christ. That you remember that as a child of God, Jesus spoke Matthew chapter 6 over you, urging you not to be anxious about anything. Reminding you that, that he cares for you the way that he cares for the flowers who don't toil or do anything and yet he provides what they need. He cares for the flocks, flocks of birds in our world. If he cares for the smallest of his living creatures, does he not care for you as his child? And that hope is guaranteed because you're in Christ. Because it's not based on what you've done. It's not you earning God's favor so that he kind of gives you a job. That you are in him. You are a child. And just as a father looks down on his child and is ready to help them in trouble, your father looks down on you. That's reason for hope. Maybe not in the federal government. Maybe not in your congressman. Maybe not in your savings account. But there, right there, in Christ, there is your hope. But maybe... Maybe your situation is even more desperate. Maybe you find yourself someday in a situation where it looks like you're not going to have food or you're not going to have clothing. You're not going to have a place to live. That There are refugees and Christian brothers and sisters around the world that, that hear the promises of Matthew 6 and see a disconnect. Maybe God, God hasn't provided food for them or maybe things are even more desperate. Friends, in those times... The hope of Christ extends beyond this life. It gives us hope in this life, but it extends beyond this, this, this life. And it carries with it the promise that because of Jesus, even if we perish, he will provide all the food, clothing, and shelter we need in him in eternity. That even if we lose the house, even if our savings account dries up. Whatever circumstances or difficulties befall us in this life, we have, the, we have two things that, that keep us grounded. One, he cares for us in Christ as sons and daughters, and he will make sure that we have abundantly all we need in eternity. And that can't be taken away. That eternal future full of joy and life and food and celebration cannot be taken away by any government shutdown, by any change in your employment status, by any change in your immigration status. That hope is rooted in Jesus. Take another situation, for example. Perhaps you're caught in an impossible conflict. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a Christian friend. Maybe it's it's in, in the church or with another friend outside of the church and, and you think, okay, where, where could your hope be? Well, my hope is that I'm going to figure this out. Or my hope is that I'm going to convince them that they're wrong. Sometimes I put my hope there, right? I'm going to get in, we're going to have a meeting, and then I'm going to just set them straight. That's, and so you go in with this hope, I'm going to meet with them, and obviously they will see clearly that I am so smart and right about this that they will just say, I'm so sorry. How could I have ever doubted you? What a kind, intelligent, and, and good-looking person you are. Thank you for being here with me in this meeting, right? We put our hope in these, in these kinds of things. Or maybe a book. Maybe it's if I get this book and do these things, it's, gonna, it's just going to be like a wand where, bing, then the conflict's going to be over. But those things can shift and change. But, but again, being in Christ gives you hope that being in him, as Ephesians 2 will tell us, 
Christ is our peace. And because of Jesus, and because he died for our sins, that we no longer have to crucify one another for the sins we commit against one another, but Jesus paid them so that we could actually be reconciled. See, that is actual hope. That's something that actually works in the middle of conflict. And yet there may be, there may be in, 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 in a handful of cases, situations where in especially difficult conflicts, we are not humanly reconciled. But if they are in Christ, here is the hope that's rooted in eternity, that Christ will finally and ultimately reconcile us as we sing together with that brother or sister around the throne of God for eternity. One last situation. Perhaps somebody has wronged you and it seems as though they're getting away with it. Perhaps your life is worse and their life seems better as a result of what they've done. They've abandoned you, they've hurt you in some way and and they seem to be getting away with it. And so what, what hope do you have? Well, you can have the hope of the psalmist in Psalm 27 where he says, I believe he, he lists attribute after attribute of God's character and goodness and desire to promote justice and, and see the righteous prosper. And he says, in light of these promises, I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can root your hope knowing that the character of God is such that, that God desires to see justice done and he will see justice done. And it's often done in this life. But your hope can be rooted in eternity, because if it looks like no one knows and they're getting away and there is no justice, friend, in Christ, there will be justice for you. In Christ, every wrongdoer will be punished and every victim be restored because of Jesus. And see, what I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see, church, is, is that, that these hopes are outside the world right? Outside of this, this world that we live in. They are above the sun, in a sense, as the, as the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, that they're not things that can move or shake. They're a, they're, they're a real hope rooted in who Jesus is for this life and for the life to come. And because of that, that is why Paul says, Christian, I am praying that you see this, that you understand the hope that he has called you to. We are to be a perpetually hopeful people in Christ. We are to be a ridiculously and impossibly hopeful people in in the midst of an age of cynicism. Because we are in Christ, we are a people of hope. I I have to tell you this, your your hope is somewhere today. Whether or not it's in Christ, your your hope is in somewhere. Maybe it's in your career track, maybe it's in your own abilities, maybe it's in the the, the next boyfriend or girlfriend that's going to make you whole and happy. But scripture says that this world is full of false promises. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These verses from Ephesians speak to who we are in Jesus and how we became one of his. 
Pastor Ricky will be taking us through the book of Ephesians, seeking the answer to the question, who am I? For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.